The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast for this, your NFL Week 4. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Buddy, you know where to find us. Live after every game on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. For better or for worse, this game, probably absolutely for worst, to be honest. If we're being honest, we have to be honest about it. It's uh, not a fun day in Lions Land, the magical land where all things Lions end up. Download the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and watch us on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Search for YouTube. Search and watch us on YouTube. Search for Pride of Detroit there. I'm Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. And as always, my companion, the yin to my yang, apparently, according to at least three different people who have said that now. I know he's already making faces. He doesn't like to hear that at all because he's th- he he is a naughty boy and thinks naughty thoughts. He is the fearless leader at Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Can I just change my Twitter handle to the naughty boy? I'm pretty sure that's already taken. <laughs> yeah, that's probably already taken. That's already taken and it absolutely has an OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, how are we doing? Oh, that's good. I, I, I'm doing so good. I was just trying to think of ways we could segue Naughty Boy into Matt Patricia talk, but it's probably a little too early in the podcast for that. So yeah, let's, let's just say let's just say I'm doing bad. Uh, the Lions, everything's going bad right now. There's there's no way of swinging this final score. Saints 35, Lions 29. As Lions head into a bye week one and three. Once again, another early bye for you on this season. And Jeremy, there's really no other way about it. Like, bad game. The Lions yeah. have once again blown a a double digit lead, according to Elias Sports. They have the Lions have now lost six consecutive games in which they led by over ten points. It is the longest streak in NFL history. How I mean, in the yeah, in NFL history. Excuse me. And to be honest, like some of those leads just do not. They they feel very earth sad, right? Yeah, like, they weren't real. This, 
They weren't real. And it was true of this game where the Lions jumped out to a 14-0 lead over the Saints, punched them in the mouth, and celebrations began. We all kind of felt good. The Lions were taken over, maybe from last week, even though we had our doubts. And then and then they then the Saints put on the brass knuckles. And then you realize that this is uh, not going well. Before that, you knew it. The Lions suddenly looked up from uh, 28 straight points. And uh, no, I'm sorry, probably more than that. 35, 35, 35 35 straight points. Excuse me. And bam, that's ball game. Lions try to mount a Valorant comeback near the end, including a two point conversion when you were they were down 14. Well, technically after that six, so they would have been down. They were down eight and went for a two point and converted. But Jeremy, no way about it, man. Like that, that middle sandwich, that middle of that turd sandwich there, still a turd, still bad. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like a a lot of attention is going to be on that stat. You know, the line started hot again and then blew a lead. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that's. That's fake. That's that's not really what happened in this game. The the Lions defense sucked from the beginning. They got one yes. good play to start the game, but literally then they gave up five straight touchdown drives. And it wasn't just that they gave up five straight touchdown drives. It was the distance of those drives that made it particularly awful. Let's go through it, shall we? Second drive of the game for the Saints after their one play interception drive. 13 yard 13 plays, 75 yards. 10 plays, 80 yards. 9 plays, 80 yards. Four plays, 49 yards, 10 plays, 75 yards. Those are huge drives. Those aren't like, ooh, oh, you know, the Lions just gave up one big passing play. That's like, I I can't do my, let's erase that one play and the Lions defense (laughs) played five. They did not play fine for every single down after that first down, that that, that first interception thing. And the the insane part. Sorry, I was just. Yo, go ahead. You want to keep you want to keep going. I just want to say I just want to mention one more dimension there because you're doing three dimensions. Let's make it four dimensional. Let's talk about the time of those drives too. seven and seven minutes, 15 seconds, five minutes, 42 seconds, yeah. five minutes, 26 seconds. Uh, that one touchdown, that was the two minute 59 drive. seconds, but still yeah. that was the two minute at the end, six yeah. minutes and eight seconds. And then a five minute, 49 seconds where they finally punt like yeah. the Lions only had just north of 20 minutes of, of time of possession in this game. They had 23 minutes. Yeah, and I, I think maybe the most frustrating part about the game early on was that the defense looked like they were competing at least. They, they were forcing a lot of third downs. They had a lot of opportunities to get off the field, but the Saints converted on just about every single third down, and the one that they didn't convert on for through, they, they converted on every single third down except for one through three quarters. And the one that they didn't convert on, they converted on fourth down. So that gives you an overall idea of like this defense maybe got close to, to getting off the field. But in the end, Saints just had their number all day. It wasn't about big plays. It wasn't about getting gashed. It was just constant 10 yards there, six yards there, seven yards there, three yards there. Third and four, we get five. Third and six, we get eight. And, and it just, it was so frustrating to watch. And we're going to get to the offense because there's plenty of frustrating Ooh. there. But for me, I mean, you want to bring it all back to Matt Patricia. You want to bring it all back to, you know, big picture things here. Some people bought into the defense after last week. And after watching the film, I bought in at least a little bit. But when we were back here on the podcast last week after the win, we were also saying, listen, don't get fooled by those three interceptions. Mm-hmm. This defense still has some major issues. And guess what? 
they still have some major issues. Can't stop the run. Secondary still is not making any plays unless it's, the ball is literally falling into their hands. I, I don't know where you go from here on defense. Like we're, and, and I think maybe the, the most frustrating thing about today's performance was the tackling. The tackling was God awful in this game. They had Kamara a couple times, a couple yards short of, of the, the down to go distance and couldn't make the tackle. It was linebackers. It was safeties. It was running backs. Everyone just like seemed to forget how to tackle. Not that Kamara's an easy guy to tackle or even Latavius Murray, but you know, every single time it seemed like they, they were in a position to stop, they wouldn't do it. And I don't know what to do with this defense anymore. Like, I'm, I mean, I was kind of here last week and, and the week before, but we're, we're, we're now at the bye week and we haven't seen any solutions on defense. And I'm starting to think we, we never will. Yeah, I'll handle the offense here. But just real quick, like my lasting memory of the, of the, of the shortcomings of the defense in this game is Latavius Murray on one of his touchdowns where Reggie Raglan is holding on to him and he drags Reggie into the end zone with him. Yeah. Like that's what it comes down to. Like, and we talked about this before, you know, before going into this six starters out for the, for the saints and on their offense, that meant you don't have to deal with Michael Thomas. You don't have to deal with their guard, Andrus Pete. You don't have to deal with Jared cook. their starting tight end. Like they, they were hobbled. They, they were a mash unit. And what happens in their place? <laughs> Latavius Murray steps up. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara Emmanuel keeps Sanders. going. Emmanuel Sanders steps up. Traquan Smith steps up. He had both Traquan Smith with like two, both of the receiving touchdowns in this game for the yeah. Saints. Like it, <clears throat> Drew Brees, who I thought has not started well at all in these first three games, is suddenly throwing pretty well. And I mean, he didn't. He wasn't great on the day. I think he posted like an 88 QBR, but still he was averaging almost 10 yards a pass. Yeah. 9.8 yards pass, 116 pass rating. Like, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are hating on Drew Brees. He looked absolutely fine this game. And, yeah, and we talked fine. a little bit in our post game show how, you know, you can't really measure a quarterback against the Lions defense. And that's absolutely true. Fair. Um, and, and yeah, it's disappointing not to see improvement there in, in the secondary, especially, you know, they get Desmond Trufant back this week. I mean, here's the, here's the the truth about Desmond Trufant. He didn't look good in week one before his injury. He didn't look good today. I don't think you're looking at him as your savior anymore. I think your savior in the secondary is Jeff Okuda improving, and we haven't quite seen that happen yet either. So um, we're in trouble there. Maybe I mean, maybe we get a, a little bit of, of respite when, uh, when Justin Coleman comes back from injury. But again, he wasn't looking too good before his injury either. No. So... I don't know what you do with the secondary. It's making me pull my hair out. I don't know what you do with the run defense. It, it, the, the thing that, that's, I mean, I keep saying the most frustrating thing about this game. Turns out there's about 10 things that were the most frustrating thing about this game. The red zone. The Saints just ran the ball. Like, they were just like, no, we can out-physical you. Not even to the our, edge. Straight up the middle. Injured, our guards injured. We're just going to beat the crap out of you right up the middle. It's third and six from the six-yard line. Third goal from the six-yard line. Guess what? Draw play. We'll just we'll just drag you guys in. It, three rushing yeah. touchdowns has to be Literally. the most the Lions running defense has given up in, in some time. I haven't looked up how, how much, but like Latavius Murray, 
Elvin Kamara combined for 147 yards, 4.5 a carry, three rushing touchdowns. Completely unacceptable for a team that values defending the run. For a team that looked like maybe it had turned the corner. You know, strategically, we thought maybe, okay, you take Jared Davis out the game. You get Jamie Collins in there a lot more. You get Jelani Tavai. Maybe that's the fix. Maybe that's the fix. And maybe J. Ron Curse returning from the suspension list. Maybe he brings a little more from the safety group that has struggled with, with Tracy Walker and struggled with Will Harris. It all disappeared this year, it, it, this week. It, it all, all the goodwill, which was not even that much from last week in terms of stopping the run, it's all gone. It's it's all back to where it was after week two, and and we're just left scratching our heads. Sean Payton looked you in the eye and dared, dared Patricia to do exactly what Patricia wants to do, which is play that smash mouth defense. And he was like, "Yeah, we found you wanting." Um, on the offense, like this wasn't a good day for the offense either. Like we, like. It's bad that the defense did not had five series. It took them until the fourth quarter until they forced a punt. Yep. But let's, I, I'm not going to just, we, we need to talk about the offense too, because after those two touchdowns, it was all gone. And we talked about that time of possession there. Punt, two minutes off the clock. Interception, a minute and 40 off the clock. Another punt for a minute 20. Uh, you know, then they finally get it together and start doing touchdowns in the end. It's fourth quarter, but the game's out of hand by then. But listen, man, same problems as before. The run game isn't going anywhere. Just you you feel frustrated watching this team like stick to trying to do the run, Expect, even late in the game, even late in the game, even late in the half, Jeremy, like forget that yep. you kind of need the run late in the game to burn some clocks so you can get your, you know, the theory is maybe you, you know, burn some off. It was like by the time they scored the touchdown, I think it was like still what four minutes on the clock, something like that. I Somewhere. don't. Yeah, I sorry, I don't have it up right now. Um, yeah, like no, when they touched down, there was like three minutes forty left on the clock or so. So I get it. You want to burn some time there. You want to force the Saints and then lean on your defense. Fine, whatever. I I, I think it's a terrible idea, but at least I get the logic for it. But. I mean, the run game just wasn't good. DeAndre Swift, we'll talk. I think he was a little bit of a bright spot. Looks like he could get to the edge, but Adrian Peterson's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. No one else is touching the ball on the ground. Uh, the right side of that line still having trouble. I remember watching one Saints defender just come like a rocket through that line. Uh, Onyemata? Yeah, it was Onyemata who did that. Mm -hmm. Just to all like, and. There's no other way around this, Jeremy, but Stafford was, this was not a good game for Stafford. And a yeah. lot of that was on him. He, his yeah. pocket presence was really bad. We, he took three sacks in this game. At least two of them were on him. Like he just, he was not aware of what was happening around him. And there was several series where Stafford's decision-making, his ball placement was just off. There was that one series where he throws the ball. It should have been intercepted by uh, Jenkins, by Malcolm Jenkins. And instead, it goes through his fingers and finds Jesse James. Second second throw there, he gets bailed out by a DPI call, and it's just a really foul-looking ball. And then the next throw, he does get intercepted. And there's just there was other throws where he's overthrowing guys. He's throwing a little high, kind of forced TJ Hawkinson to reel one back down. and. There's just it's compounding issues on the on the offense. The play calling is bad. Yes, there's a lot of wasted, inefficient downs in the offense. But when you are going to Stafford, when you are going to your primary weapons, he can't really carry the day for you. Right. And he didn't carry the day for you here. 
against the Saints. And that's ultimately part of the problem here, too. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's worrying on all fronts on the offense right now. Here's the thing. This was a game in which the Lions absolutely needed Stafford. He was the forefront of their game plan, and he should have been. We talked mm-hmm. all week about how Saints are missing their top two corners. Saints are horrible against tight ends. Saints are really good against the run. So what's the strategy there? Air the ball the frick out. And what do they do? <laughs> Air the ball the frick out. Six passes. Yeah, first one, yeah. Two, two runs on the first drive. Two passes, one run on the, on the second drive. Danny Amendola gets you like 50 yards on a, on a short pass. Yeah, that's the game plan, and it was right. The, it was, it's the one thing that the coaching staff had right this week. They put the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands, and he failed them. Like, I, I, I don't, you, you know, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know I'm a Stafford homer. I still believe that he turns the season around. But this was a game that they absolutely needed him to outduel or at least Side, like co-duel with with Drew Brees and he didn't he he made cr- critical errors for the the really the fourth straight week he's made really bad errors every single week his interception in three out of four weeks as you mentioned probably took a couple sacks that he shouldn't have taken inaccurate he had a couple interceptions I think he had he had another interception that was called back to due to a, a weak illegal contact I mean, he looked out of sorts today and he'll be the first to admit it and maybe he gets that fixed around. But I think in, in a season that hasn't been great for Stafford so far, this was the worst he looked. And it, it came in a time when they, they really needed him. And it, it's I'll have to look back at the all, all 22 to see if maybe the wide receivers deserve some of the blame for not getting open against some bad receiver or bad corners. But for Stafford to, to look that bad and the offense to look that discombobulated after those first two drives of the se- of the game, you have to put it on the quarterback and it was extremely disappointing to see. It was extremely disappointing to see that when that defense started to fail, the offense had no response. You know, if they score a touchdown instead of throwing an interception when they're in the red zone there, maybe the whole rest of the game looks differently. If they don't go three and out uh, when right after the interception, the next drive is a, is a three and out. If they don't go three and out there, who knows what happens? Um, it's just when that team really needed Stafford to respond, he didn't until way, 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 way too late in the game. And if you want to talk about Pat Stafford, like maybe this is the kind of game that you actually have an <laughs> argument for, because when the Lions actually needed him to perform in this game, he didn't. When they were down by three touchdowns, that's when he got him back in the game. And by far, by then, you know, the Lions needed a prayer and 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 the defense wasn't there to, to give them that last prayer. So I don't yeah. know. It, 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 it's it's. Not a performance I'm used to seeing with Matthew Stafford, but um, he deserves a, a huge chunk of this blame for this loss. Yeah, he does too. I, I need to go back like you and watch some of this stuff. Maybe there's something on the play calling there. I didn't see TJ Hawkinson really that involved. He had a very quiet day. Even Jesse James wasn't really that involved. If if there were plays for the tight ends, they were they were either not being thrown to by Stafford or they weren't, weren't being dialed up by the coaching staff, by the play calling. And again, Marvin, the Marvin Jones, one catch. Marvin Jones, once again, silent, like it's kind of like those old days when he was in Cincinnati, where you'd have one good game out of Martin Jones. and I'd go crazy because I had him on my fantasy team one year. (laughs) And then the next few weeks, he is quiet as a doormouse, man, quiet as a doormouse on Christmas. And like, you know, Kenny Galladay, cool. But Kenny Galladay only got four receptions in this game. You're going to need more than that. You're going to need more than four receptions to Kenny Galladay. You're going to need more than four receptions to Andre Swift Uh, after that one. 50-yard catch from Danny Amendola. Let's play your favorite game, Jeremy. Only seven yards. Yeah. That was it after that 50-yarder. 
It's just like, I mean, you look at the way that other teams are exploiting the Lions secondary, you know, Allen Robinson going off on, on the Lions, you know, last week it was uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It's like the Lions have a guy capable of doing that. Why yep. isn't it happening? And and yeah. I know I know the Lions coaches will tell you, well, it's a matchup thing. You know, we got all these weapons. We want to utilize them to the best. Like, no, I don't I don't want to hear those excuses. You got Kenny Galladay. You got some cornerbacks no one's ever heard of on the Saints playing starting. Just feed him the rock. Like, I, I don't want to yeah. get into Calvin Johnson territory where we're just like, hey, throw it to Calvin Johnson every time. He'll, he'll catch it. Yeah, but you, you don't, don't want to think yourself. Mad. Don't overthink yourself. It's don't just, be clever by half. That's what the that's what it feels like. This is this, that strategy is it's being clever by half. It's like. You know, you've got you've got shotgun in a game of rock, paper, scissors, and you just you have to you have to make sure you're getting an equal amounts of, of, of rock and paper and scissors in here. It's like, no, you've got a shotgun. Yeah, Does that makes sense it, at all. Sure. <laughs> I think I think so. I mean, it makes more sense than anything else I'm seeing from this team. So, yeah, you're, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hired for the actual shotgun offense. <laughs> Uh, and, and again, like, listen, again, the running game, once again, not great. 22 carries on the ground, 22 rushing attempts outweighing, uh, what was it? 30 and 30 targets, I believe. So that's your, that's your offense for the day. Yeah. And, and it was, it was especially frustrating to see on that last drive that they actually did score a touchdown, which by far, I mean, one of the most curious drives I've ever seen. The Lions are down two scores. They get the ball at the Saints 43 yard line. It takes them four and a half minutes to get in the end zone in 12 plays because they're running the ball. Yeah, what? that's what I mean. Like, again, I well, maybe we'll talk about this on the other side, but like I buy it a little bit. You want to burn some clock, force the Saints into this pressure where it's like, OK, so let's let, let's let's assume like they did force the Saints to three and out on the next drive. I, I yeah. think I see where the logic's coming because then. You don't give them much chance to respond when you do go and score a touch. If you go and score a touchdown that's, at the end, no. no but that, Jeremy, that's Jeremy, twenty fifth dimensional chest. No, I know, but so is going for two when you're no, down. No, no, no. That is the right move. I know you that are, is that is statistically the right move. That's not the right move unless you know you're going to go for a touchdown next because well, you're yeah. just you're, you're you're scoring two because you're trying to avoid overtime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you, if you have an opportunity to score two touchdowns at the end of the game to win the game, you'd take it. I'm sorry. That two point conversion was absolutely the right call. And I'm glad they I know, did you're, it. you're in the tank for this two point conversion. Yes, it was. It, okay. <laughs> I, I already said the one thing that they did right was an offensive play call. The second thing they did right, the coaching staff did right, was go for two on that first touchdown. Because guess what? If they get a defensive stop, they probably win that game. They and, and yeah. completely undeservedly. So let's be honest, like. Would 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 I be preaching an entirely different tune if the defense got a stop there and, and Matthew Stafford led them to a, a game winning touchdown drive? Oh yeah, yeah. Me personally, like late no, game heroics. I would not be preaching anything differently. I'm sorry, I wouldn't. This defense is oh, really? still okay. horrible. No, I would not. No, I mean you're setting you set me up there, man. I, I had a cadence. <laughs> you had a cadence, and you throw me for a loop, and now all of a sudden we were doing this tango, and now I've just tripped over my own feet. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I'm sorry. Like, no, I get it. The defense is predicated on on giving up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. Guess what? The Saints didn't kick a field goal today. Nope. Didn't need to. The offense is predicated on balance, but guess what? When your defense is giving up touchdown, 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 you're going to have to throw the ball a ton, and Matthew Stafford's not playing his best. So guess what? You're left with a team that isn't working together properly. You're left with players that are underperforming according to their talent level, which, I mean, in, in my opinion, and you're you're left with a team that's just, not going to win a, fo- a lot of football games this year. I mean, Why not. I, I, I know 
there are a lot of mood swings in Detroit, especially after that win last week. But I, I feel like I've been fairly consistent on this team after watching them blow that game against Chicago. And I just don't think they're very good right now. And I don't think that's changing because what what's left to try? What guy is coming off the bench that hasn't been given a shot? They've actually tried a lot of different things. They've benched Jared Davis. They've benched Tracy Walker. They, they've got J-Ron Curse in the game now. They've got everyone. Like, there's no, there's no one coming off the, the, the IR that's going to really turn this team around. So there, I think they're out of cards already. Door. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I think we want to deep, deep dive into some of that. Uh, we got some questions from Twitch chat. Again, you can watch live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. And uh, we're just going to keep digging into this game, man. It's all we got. The bye week is here. Lions are going to have some chance. We're going to talk later in the show about what exactly the Lions can do on the bye. They can't do. And just more when we come back here on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit into some player performances now. It it was a brutal game. I don't know how many positives we really have here, Jeremy. Uh, do you want to just, we, we kind of led, we kind of ended the last segment talking quite a bit on Stafford. Yeah. Do you want to jump back in there right away or do we want to try to deviate for a little bit? Maybe maybe we deviate for now, um, get back to it maybe towards the end, talk about his future with the team along with maybe some other people's future with the team and Leech. not sure, not so... Uh, You're going to leak on me. Maybe. I mean, you know what? We got we got two weeks to, to let this one marinate, so why not just get right into it? Um, More like let this one go bad in the fridge. Yes. Just spoil. It's just like no open box of baking soda will we'll save your... your yeah, this smelled like garbage for, for this, a couple weeks. This salad was already past its expiration date, and you're just sticking in the back hoping to save it for some un and you just forget about it there. And it's just but wasting cucumbers, man. Let's let's talk about like the one fresh apple in the front. Let's yeah. talk about let's talk about some positives. And and no, I'm not gonna jump right back to Jack Fox because we've we've talked enough about Jack Fox. I don't want to do it. We've memed him. He's he, a meme. He, he yeah. memed to special teams player of the month. And honestly, we can't, even, we, can't, we can't even do too much of that because like the they were getting the Saints were getting return yards on him. True. Finally, not that that's 100% his fault, but yeah, I not. mean, like you, you have Alvin Kamara back there for one of those returns. Like it's going to happen. But the the one thing I do want to talk about that that's promising and maybe maybe it's something we see as, as the season goes on is I thought DeAndre Swift played a very good game in this in this yes. game. He, Eight touches. I think he turned it into over 50 yards. Um, the, the real sticking out point for me was as a running back. And again, he only had four touches. So um, we're, we're still kind of waiting for him to be a bigger part of the game plan. But in the past two games or the past three games, he had eight rushes for 20 yards. In this game, he had four rushes for 22. So basically double his output on half the carries. That looks good. Um, and there, and it wasn't a case, you know, that, that I hate where it's like one outlier kind of spoiled the whole bunch. No, he was consistently running well today. 
also caught four passes on four targets for 30 yards and a touchdown. I do feel like he's finally starting to grow into the role that they wanted. I was hoping they use him a little bit more in this game, and maybe it was a mistake that they didn't. But he's giving me a little bit of hope. He's giving me a little hope. It's still kind of frustrating to see some other rookie running backs, you know, get those 20 touches of games and 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 succeed in them. Um, but we, we saw a little bit, especially on that touchdown catch of his, just how much of a mismatch he can be out there as a receiver. Because I believe he was lined up in the slot in that play. So um, it, it, it's something that that we're, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg for. And, and if you're looking for signs to be hopeful in the future, I think that's maybe one of them. Yeah, and when he was, like, getting a carry... He was hitting the outside pretty well. Like they yeah. finally decided like, hey, it's a bad idea to try to use him up the middle. That's what Adrian Peterson's for. That's what we'll use him up for. But DeAndre Swift, he was getting to the outside on those routes pretty quickly. He was yeah. hitting that edge. He was finding he was finding the crease and just kind of he, he never really got into that second gear and into the Saints backfield. But I mean, with the offensive line, he was pushing he was pushing the, the yard, the yardsticks. And that's all that you can really do on those kind of plays. Um, also, I know he had a quiet day on rushing and in numbers in general with carry on Johnson, but decent on run on pass blocking for carry on. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of his role right now. Um, not yeah, kind of sad, of but still it is. But, you know, when, when you have three guys that, that can do specific things so well, I guess why not just use them for those specific things? So you're not wearing each guy out. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't feel like carry on was in the game a lot in this game, if I had to guess without seeing snap counts because we're, we're recording this on Sunday night before those things come out. I'd have to imagine he probably had the fewest carries of those three backs. Yeah. Um, but, but it's interesting. Like, you know, one thing we, we didn't get to get a chance to talk about it at all on any, any of our podcasts is that Ty Johnson is gone now. Um, he's off to the New York jets. Poor guy. Um, although if he stayed, I don't even know if it's much better, but now the lines are kind of stuck with three, these three guys, maybe they get Bo Scarborough back after the, uh, the the buy and i don't mean to say they're stuck in that these guys are bad but you know it, it we just talked a lot about the depth of these guys and how deandre swift was going through injuries adrian peterson's 35 you don't want to make him a workhorse back carry on johnson has gone through a ton of injuries but like now this is the three you got like you don't have anyone kind of behind door number three so hopefully these guys yeah, hold do. up for the season who yeah, do. jamal agnew He's not a running back. I, I know, but they're, they used him for like two snaps as a like he, he's kind of their Swiss army knife right now. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like all, all power to him. He's not going to show up a lot in the stat sheets here for literally anything. I think the best I can say is 50 yards on kick returns, but uh, he's, he's your Swiss army knife, man. It's, um, it's, it's weird just seeing everyone in such a specialized role and no one like really exceeding it like it's yeah. exceeding it like jamal agnew has been out there for a bunch of like interesting plays but has he really made a huge difference anywhere not really yeah and and i don't know it's just the offense not is a, very confusing today yeah not a lot of bright spots for me on the uh defense to really speak about once again like you i kind of have to see snap counts before i decide but uh we finally got some more uh, lo- longer look at romeo aquara yeah. You know, he had a sack. I think he had three yeah. QB hits. I think he was the most productive on the day for your defense. And you need more games like that out of the elder Aquara brother. I think no question. that yeah. I think I think that's a great place to start if we're if we're talking positives about the defense. <laughs> it, it also might be the place where we have to end, unfortunately. <laughs> well, but, Reggie Raglan, outside of being carried into the end zone by Latavius Murray, he up and down game, up and down game. I don't know what stocks where I'll give him, but 
definitely not on the same level as Okwara, but I'm trying, I'm yeah. trying to squeeze whatever I can out of here, Jeremy. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's worth pointing out that Okwara has actually put together a couple decent games last, yeah. I think last week too, he had a, a couple of good pressures. So, um, the, the one guy that, that we haven't heard a lot from is Trey Flowers. And yeah. And I know Trey Flowers is is kind of guy that really pops off on the tape when you when you really look at like the the all twenty two. He's a guy that opens up opportunities for other people. But we need to see a little bit more out of our ninety million dollar man. Like we yeah. need to see some sacks. We need to see some game changing plays. Some strip sacks. You know, there's no excuses here. He came into last year with an injury. You know, he had that shoulder thing. Um, no excuses this year. So I I mean, if you're paying a guy like that ninety million dollars, and to be honest. You, it's starting to look like they overpaid him a bit because you, you pay that kind of money to game changing sack making, you know, turnover creating guys. That's not who Trey flowers is. Trey flowers is a fine player. He's a good, well-rounded guy, but he's not a game changer. He's not an all-star. He's not an all pro. He's not a Khalil Mack. He's not, you know, one of these guys that, that really are going to disrupt a quarterback all game. And so, you know, through, through four games, what do you say? Have one sack maybe? It's not good yeah, enough. He, he, his, his line here wasn't great. He had two tackles for loss. He had one QB hit. That's really it. That's I mean, really it's not, it's not bad, but, but like I said, is it, is it $90 million good? No, no, he's not your star. He's not your all-star right now. As you said, like he's not out there uh, blowing up. So can I ask you then about kind of the guys we've talked positively on the defense in the past weeks? Can we talk about Jamie Collins? Uh, I'm trying to remember what I, if I can even say anything about uh, Duran Harmon in this game. I think Collins stood out more to me. What did you think about him? I thought him, along with everyone else at the linebacker level, played poorly. I think tackling was was the biggest issue with everyone, especially Jamie Collins. I think coverage turned out to be an issue again in this game where we, we saw Collins make strides in that last week. Jelani Tavai coming off the edge does not seem to be doing much in, in the positive direction. Christian Jones, I know, had a ton of tackles in this game, but did you really honestly think that he made a positive difference in this game? It's just, no. I mean, when you're getting beat up the middle like that with the runs, yeah, that's on the defensive line, but it's also on the, the linebacking level to not turn those four-yard gains into seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven-yard gains. And unfortunately, that's what was happening all game. The, the, the Saints were picking up six, seven yards on, on first and second down, until, really until late in the game, and they did tighten up then. But overall... I mean, Jamie, you throw out any linebacker name in there and, and they're not doing their jobs well enough. And and again, like the Lions did what we what I think a lot of fans wanted them to do. And it was not have Jared Davis out there very much. And it didn't seem to change much. Right. Like <laughs> I, I, it, it's starting to feel like these issues run a little bit deeper and, and maybe not to say Jared Davis wasn't contributing to some of those issues, but. If, if you're if you're pulling a guy off the field, you have to put someone better in the game. Yep. And I'm not sure we're seeing that. Like Reggie Ragland is a guy that I was I was pretty hopeful for. And not just because I did a feature on him. Um, he's, he's a guy that in limited snaps we had seen in, through the first two weeks, he had made some plays. And so I think we're continuing to see a little bit more and more of him. But he was pretty invisible in this game. Um, he had he did have one sack. But overall, I was expecting a little bit more of him as, you know, Jelani Tavai continues to disappoint. Christian Jones continues to disappoint. And like you, you mentioned off the top, um, lines just aren't getting enough out of Jamie Collins either. No, they're really not. Um, this is what frustrates me the most about this team right now is because we talked about one core component of this team, which is their front seven. You know, yep. this is where they want to focus. 
and you know play good fundamentals good old school defense it starts with those that front seven just like their plan on offense is to go to that offensive line and start right up there and uh guess what man i'm gonna keep beating this drum about the right side of this line man but it's not good it's not good and now we're starting to catch stafford a little blindsided for some reason too yeah, I, I, I talked about Halapulavati Vaitai earlier. I don't know if he was completely at fault. I'd have to go back and watch that Onamiata, um, no, Onyamata, excuse me. I'm trying to remember how to say his name. Uh, play again. That That's the one that sticks with me, Jeremy, because he came like a damn rocket into the backfield. Like, yeah. just no one stopped him. No one Honestly, picked him up. I don't think anyone on the offensive line played particularly well in this game. I, I even thought... Taylor no, Decker and- had a down game. I think Ragnow was mostly okay, but but had some questionable times as well. And like I think you, I think you see that in the run game too, because Adrian Peterson, like that, he's going to be how long? Adrian Peterson's got talent. Trust, I, I, I'll granted, but he needs the the offensive line to give him some opportunities to get yeah. if he's going to get into that second into the second gear, and there was none there. And what happens there is three point three yards average on 11 carries that's it just, what it's going to look like it felt like anytime this team tried to run up the middle in this game it went for two or less yards like it, it just yeah. it wasn't working and give some credit to the saints like like the scouting report said this was a really good run defense last year it was off to a really good start this year um it, it's why the Lions decided to pass the ball a lot in this game but still given all the strides that we had seen from this offensive line through three games, given that we've seen like the lines actually kind of have an okay running game. It's kind of disappointing for them not to rise to the occasion in, in this instance. And I think when, when the PFF crates come out, you're, you're not going to see a lot of great performances from that offensive line. Let's talk about some more individual players. Um, Can, let's talk about the secondary. I know. I, I know. was about to say Okuda. Yeah. So I was about to say the name Okuda. Do you want to start there? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, God, man, we I feel I, I just feel bad because, again, it's a rookie cornerback. But at the same time, man, he's not even like he's not even keeping pace with his assignments some on some of these plays. It's a tough one for Akuda, and it's a, it's a tough time any time just to go off the TV broadcast to, to know exactly how well the secondary mm-hmm. played because, you know, they're off screen for for 70 percent of the play. Um, Okuda didn't, didn't stand out to me that bad not not saying that he had a good day but like in previous games we'd seen him get beat consistently it wasn't like Drew Brees was exploiting him and, and particularly targeting him in this game and in fact he didn't even start in this game it was originally uh Trufant and Oruari I think um to, to start the game but then we started to see Okuda get in there uh, more for Oruari and honestly I think Oruari got picked on a little bit more in this game especially when Trufant went down and suddenly it was Oruari and Okuda I think Breeze actually targeted Oruari a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see exactly what the breakdown was in terms of targets and stuff, but the the matter of the fact is just the lines are not getting enough hands-on passes at this point. You know, they, they get an interception that was based off a batted pass from a defensive lineman. So that's one. Oruari got credited for with one pass defended, and then you're done. Like, that's it. Nothing else. Tracy Walker didn't get a hand on anything. Jeff Okuda didn't get a hand on anything. Will Harris didn't get a hand on anything. Deron Harmon, you, you mentioned him briefly. I didn't see Deron Harmon all day, all game. And, and 
usually with a free safety, that's actually a good thing. You know, the Lions didn't give up a ton of big plays in this game. That's maybe one good thing you can say about this team, but they're mm-hmm. also not making any plays. That, that's yeah. that's why when I referenced all those long drives, it wasn't that the Lions were getting gashed deep on anything. Really, they, they've been fine over the past two weeks, not giving up that big play. But if you're going to win on defense, you're going to have to make plays on your own. Last week they made them, this week they didn't. Yeah, a lot of these, like I'd have to go back and watch the tape again, but I feel like a lot of the yards to Emmanuel Sanders, a lot of that was just coming up the middle, man. Yeah. Coming over the middle and then he's picking up yards after completion like that. And that's, that's what's killing. That's what's killing you here is like you, you're, you're not giving up chunk plays. Nobody for the saints had, had a long, uh, more than 25 yards. No, I'm not sorry. Bad. 29 yards. Yeah. Uh, Camara had a 29 yarder, but still no one's, no one's putting on what would you say? That was a, I mean, that was actually a semi good coverage on that play. I think it was Tracy Walker in coverage and yeah, um, Kamara. It was just a perfectly paid. But sure, point, pass from yeah. My my point though is like no one's you know, one yard short short of that thirty. Still, yeah. But either way, no one's chunking you. No, Drew Brees isn't throwing a dragon on you, e- even You're, on the ground. Right, longest yeah. run was 12, 12 of the day. Yeah, and that that speaks both to good and bad things about the season. It speaks good on defense that they're not giving a big plays. But the fact that they put up touchdowns and five straight drives tells you that they're just getting chunked on every single play. Not yeah, it speaks well to the safeties. It speaks well to the safeties to staunch the bleeding. Sure, sure. And if I guess if you want to give credit to anyone on this defense, maybe it's the safeties for not getting, um, you know, chunked by those huge plays. But the front seven is, is basically giving them seven yards every play, which is yeah, just, I mean, it's almost just as it's it's almost, <laughs> it's more frustrating to watch as a fan to see just. Seven yards, seven yards, seven yards, instead of like one, two, 50, one, two, one, two, one, two, 56. Yeah, like, I don't know. I what's... almost rather see that because it's it's more emblematic of a good performance when you're able to get those one and two yard plays. This wasn't any of that. This was just moving at will. Move, uh, you know, we don't need to take those 30, 40 yard shots because we're just getting six, seven, 11, 14. Like, no, there's no urgency to go deep because they can take out all that under, stuff underneath. They can run the ball. And, and burn clock that that front seven was just awful in this game. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know what's worse. This is kind of like asking me, do I want to watch the Tigers, you know, slowly give up a uh, hundred singles and, and firmly collapse? Or do I want David Ortiz to hit grand slams? I, I don't know what the answer. What, what do Ouch. you want out of me? Ouch. Like, I, I'm having bad flashbacks now and I'm wearing my Tigers cap here, too, which is just. I'm, I'm sure Lions fans appreciated being reminded of that because this game wasn't painful enough. Hey, man, there's nothing good in Detroit right now, man. I hate to break it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> nothing under the sun is good, and the sun is being eclipsed by the moon. Uh, all right. I, fe- I think we've gone full circle. We've got about three minutes here. I want to go back to Stafford. Okay. What do you want to do with this, Jeremy? Because, I, I again, I talked about... I understand all the qualifications. I understand all the well actuallys and I understand Lions fans aren't used to this right now. And it feels like there should be bigger targets out there. But like, again, I, all right, I'm already off the idea. It's like, all right, he's got to have an MVP, MVP season to save this, this season. He's not doing that. Probably not even doing comeback player at this point. I, but I mean, man, I don't know. I, I don't know where the criticism starts and where the criticism ends. I don't know what's fair. I feel like us at Pride of Detroit, we don't put a lot of emphasis on the quarterback when it comes to responsibilities sometimes, because I think we understand the quarterback, 
we, we don't even I don't even think our philosophy is the quarterback is the fulcrum upon which everything turns. He's just a part of this cog in this machine. He's a very big cog, especially yeah. when it comes to passing, but a cog nevertheless. But if I'm going to grade him on anything, I'm going to grade him on his passing on two things. His pass, his passes, where he where he puts those passes, how, uh, you know, his decision making on those passes and then his presence in the pocket. And on all three things, this was not a good day for Stafford. Yeah, and and the one category that that I kind of judge them by is is negative plays, negative mm. plays. And Stafford has had a lot of negative plays through four games. He he took a bad sack in in back to back games. I think in in week one and week two that that turned out to be critical moments. He throws a pick in the red zone. He throws a pick six against uh, who was that Chicago? I think. Um, <clears throat> you know he he's just part of your role as a quarterback is damage control, right? It's don't mess up. Like not, not that Stafford needs to be a game manager and just not make mistakes. Like, like he was with Jim Caldwell and you take away his his arm. You you want his arm. You want his gunslinging ability. That's part of what makes him such a great player. But at some point you have to realize that you have to, you have to ring it in at least a little bit. You have to rein it in so that he isn't harming your team. Isn't, you know, making your team fall behind when giving the ball back to the defense was for God's sake. Like that's the worst thing you can do right now. Your defense is horrible. Don't put the ball, don't put the game on their hands. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, it, it, it's usually you take the good with the bad with Stafford. Usually you, you realize, okay, maybe, maybe he throws one interception a game, but he's, he's throwing three touchdowns in the other part of the game. We're not getting that extra part of Stafford right now, which means those negative plays are hurting even more. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. His accuracy has never been elite in this league, but it's been good. It has not been good through four games. It hasn't been good through the first quarter of the season. Like when he's on top of the world, though, like we keep talking about two seasons for Stafford, 16 and 19. And his Mm -hmm. accuracy was there, man, in both those years we talk about. Maybe not that. We're going to keep going back to that Raiders game in 2019 as kind of like the warning lights going on but either way outside of those things like he he had his accuracy and we talked about the tight windows he was throwing into and that's not there right now yeah it's and, not and and unfortunately all he has is receivers that can't get open you need to throw tight window passes too um and so yeah i i, I don't know what you do at this point, I don't know if it's a permanent thing with Stafford. I, I think we're probably at the point of the season where we can't be like, it's shaking off rust. I realize he didn't finish the last eight games of the season. That's the first time in, in 10 years mm-hmm. almost that he hasn't finished a season. I realize we had a shortened off season where he didn't get to build in a rapport with a lot of these guys in OTAs and training camp and mini camp and things like that. But we're four, we're a month into the season, y'all. Like we're He's been practicing every day for four straight weeks. He's been on there game day with most of those guys available. It's a second year in an offensive system that was supposed to help him out even more. Like, oh yeah, no, second year in an offensive system, he's going to be even better. Like, it's not there, and I, I don't, I, I can't tell you what's going wrong. I can't tell you if it's permanent. I can't tell you if this is him on his downswing. I can't tell you if this is, you know, just, you know, blip in in, in his radar, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But it's definitely concerning, and and with you know, the the danger of this whole unit this whole gang of of players and coaches kind of desperately walking to the edge right now you have to start wondering are 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 we seeing the twilight of Matthew Stafford's career as a Detroit Lion and it's not some not a not a 
not a topic I broach lately. It, it's something that yeah. I admittedly avoided for for years, and I think rightfully so. I don't think it was ever realistic that we were kind of fa- heading that way, but it's something we're really going to have to start talking about in these last couple of months if he doesn't turn things around. I don't like the forecasting. I know I'm going to probably uh, forecast something here in an article coming on Monday. But at the same time, like every time I've wanted to talk about Stafford having a bad game, it's just been that. I'm like, hey, Stafford had a bad game. That's it. I'm never I'm not sure. I was never trying to make a bellwether on his on his career or anything like that. But it just it. But that's the thing, though, Jeremy, is like every time we do say Stafford has a bad game. Fans react like you're talking about a bellwether on his career, probably because he's had so many questions about his career for this long. So it's just it's a thorny subject to get into. But I'm the sobering truth is coming down. I don't know what it means for a long term like you. We're just going to sit and find out. But I think we've got one more segment to go, Jeremy. We've got the bye week staring us down. Thankfully, mercifully, one week without Lions football. So I can finally catch up on the rest of the NFL, which is spiraling in so many different directions I want to catch up on. Who knows if we're going to have a full season because of some of the stuff that happened, including something involved the Lions when you guys might have been sleeping, but the Saints ha- did have a false positive with the COVID-19. Meanwhile, there's another team in the league that's nearly decimated by COVID-19 positives. And then, of course, people want to talk about the coaching staff, man. So we're going to talk about the coaching staff. Taking a quick break here, wrapping up here next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. All right, Jeremy, wrapping up here with you on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. I am Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T on Twitter. De- Jeremy at Detroit Online. I don't know if I gave those out to start the show, but there they are now. You have Twice them. as nice, too. Twice as nice, even though it's not you're not jumping in midway into a podcast. I mean, you might. I don't know why you would, but, you know, maybe. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's coming with the bye week, what's coming with the coaching staff. I think one thing I think you and I can agree on right now, and we don't agree on too much sometimes, but we don't argue about too much either. But still, uh, Jeremy, it, it's the, the nuclear bomb isn't going to drop during the bye week. They're not going to clear house during the bye week. I feel confident in saying that. I would say I, would say I am 95% confident they're not going to clean out either Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia during his bye week. I think you're right. I can't, I can't say I'm anything giving myself for certain. 5% man. And the nice thing about percentages is you can't prove to me after the fact that it was within that 5% or if it was higher or lower. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, we just don't know, right? We don't know mm. what Sheila Ford, what's going through Sheila Ford Hamp's mind right now. I, I have yeah, to imagine to fair, that to during fair, this when, by week, there's going to be a, a significant meeting. I have to imagine. I mean, you have Sheila Ford Hamp. The one thing she said that stuck out to me in her introductory press conference is that she she said she wanted to examine every part of the the franchise before she goes in making any sort of swinging moves. I don't know if she's at that point in this in in her job where she knows everything. She she has a good feel for everything. Um, but they're gonna have to sit down and have a really big talk and. And I, I do think Sheila Ford Hamp knows enough about football. She, she's been around football. She's loved football for decades. Um, so she can see that it's not working. 
I think yeah. she she doesn't need people booing in Ford Field to tell her that things aren't going well right now. And and she knows Matt Patricia is a defensive mind coach, and she knows the teams are putting 30, 40 points on this team on a, on a regular basis right now. So she knows something is wrong. I just I couldn't tell you right now if, if she's one to pull the trigger right now or not. Yeah, and to be fair, like, we didn't see Martha Firestone coming down and clearing out Mayhew. That blindsided us when that happened. I remember we were like, holy crap. Damn. That was yeah. so that was something. So like we, we've been blindsided by this thing before. I just I don't know. I don't think they showed enough to warrant keeping them right now. But again, I come back to the question of what does it solve right now? What does it solve? Like there's you don't even have fans in the stands right now. So trying to keep that PR disaster of your fans booing your own team, you don't have to worry about that right now. So I don't know, like it, it goes back and forth on, on what you could do. There's merits and there's not merits to this idea of firing a coach this early into the season. I just don't think it's going to happen. Not this early, not with these guys right now. And there's still a lot of football to be played, Jeremy. I know that's a cliche, Throwing that out there, I know our friend Zach Snyder was riding me for a while because I think I wrote in our How to Watch column, uh, Who Wants It More? So I've been in on my cliches lately. <laughs> but there still is a lot of football to be played. We, we ta- we've talked about this before. With the bye week coming up, you've got a chance here to rest, to reevaluate things. You play two road games against the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Colts, the Vikings. Washington Panthers might be better than you think, but still like that's a good stretch right there where like you can kind of pave over some of the defects of this team. I don't think fans want that actually, to be honest. I think some fans are at a point where they're almost rooting against this team from winning because it means putting more pressure on getting rid of the Boston boys. And that's never a good place to be (laughs) that that's basically that that's the F U place to be. Yeah. It's just, it's tough because I think most people and understandably so, and I think I'm probably there too, are just at a point where there's no reason to believe in this administration. There's no No, reason to believe that Matt Patricia is capable of turning this around. He's had plenty of time to do so and it hasn't happened. And so it just becomes a case of like, do you do it now or do you do it later? And I get the people that want to have it happen now. Just, I I feel like it's, it's really just like a a placating feeling, just like, okay, good. They're going to do it because I think a lot of people are just the reason people want it now is because they're afraid it won't even happen later. Right. They just, let's get it out of the way, start the search now and, and, and all that. And, and I do get that point to, to a degree, but if there's people that think doing it mid season gives them hope for this year, like maybe they turn things around, maybe it lights a fire. I think you're fooling yourself with that. If that's why you want, to, to cut bail here because who's like, who's, who's going to turn the defense around? What defensive mind is, is, is Corey Unland your guy, a guy who was getting run out of town in, in Philly because the secondary was so bad. Damn well, better not be Pat Bevel. Like I seen, I've seen some fans calling for him to take over the, the reins of head coach. Like this offense ain't being good, but I, I'm worried about the defense. Like the yeah. defense, I feel like is the biggest issue with this team, and it's the the biggest strike about Matt Patricia. So if he goes, how how does it get better? Yeah, like given the personnel that they got, like his style of defense is so entrenched in the talent that they have that there's just there's no you have coach to blow come it all in. up, man. You have to blow it all up and try to get talent again after you just ran a bunch of talent out of town. 
it, it it's staring down the barrel of this fact that if the Lions don't turn this season around with Patricia right now, it's a hard rebuild coming. Yeah. I mean, and I think I think we're we're fans are slowly going through the stages of grief right now. I think we're on anger right now. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't you and me might have be all the way on to acceptance at this point because we've been reading the tea leaves a little longer here. But uh, yeah. I mean, man. I, th- I think at this point, you just kind of let him dig his own grave, right? Like yeah. you kind of just like you say, you know what? The season is probably lost at this point, so you've got and you've got a twelve game uh, rehearsal. Like, try try your best to give me any sort of reason to not fire you. And let's be honest, he's probably not going to do that, right? Nope. I mean, what? No, there's, wh- there's no reason to think that's going to happen. There's no so, reason so, to yeah. think this team's even going to make five hundred. No, might and not so, even make two fifty. I don't know. I, I just. And when 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 slash if this all happens, then you have to start wondering about what foundational pieces are left. What what pieces hang around through a, a, a regime overhaul? Does Matthew yeah, Stafford and, survive it? Does oh, Kenny God, Galladay? It, he he doesn't have a contract right now. He doesn't have a year. contract. I know people are talking about trading Stafford. I feel like some of that's out of that weird, misguided. You just want to see him do well mentality that kind of guided. Verlander going to Houston. Right. And now, you know, which I mean, that worked out. He got a ring in with the Astros, but guess what? He's also implicated as part of one of the, as like on the team as one of the biggest cheating scandals in the history of baseball. So, okay. so, so what you're saying is Matthew Stafford going to the Patriots and winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, did you get the memo? The Patriots are good guys now because they've got no. Cam Newton. That's right. <laughs> no, he'll probably go to like, uh, I mean, I can't say Tampa Bay. Uh, Raiders. I damn. I don't want to even. But I don't want to think about it because you know why? Yeah. Because you know what his cap hit is next year? Thirty five million. Yeah. And and I guess what you you can't just like if you're noticing him declining, that's going to tank any kind of trade value you have. And like again, that's huge. Who wants that right now versus getting a fresh quarterback? Because you'd be trying to trade him for draft picks for draft consideration at this point. Like I, I don't. It's you. That contract was signed under the assumption that this is going to be what it is. This marriage is finalized till death do us part. Not that grim in reality as death. But I'm just saying, like you're not going to be able to get out midstream from this unless you find a very, very, very culpable dance partner here to to work with. But I don't think that's going to happen. And that's just grim to think about because if you're getting rid of Stafford at this point too, you're also saying that is blow it all up territory, Jeremy. That is blow it all up territory at that point. You, you want to talk grim? I'll take it want, even grimmer. I, because grim? I'm, I'm I'm already at the crust. Are you digging deeper? I am. Oh, jeez, you've got because a drill. I'm, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about 2021. I'm thinking about the contracts that are still going to be on this team, the players that are going to have to stick around through whatever this next group of people is. If we get to there, we're talking Trey flowers on probably an overpriced contract. We're talking Jesse James is going to have to stick around for at least one more year. We're talking Halapuli Vati Vaitai is on a monster deal. Taylor Decker. I'm, I'm fine with, but I mean, Jamie Collins, does he have one more year on kind of a, a, a big, contract like Matthew Stafford like there are a lot of big contracts for mediocre guys on this team right now that Justin Coleman good note another one from chat yeah 
Like this team is not. Yeah, Jamie Collins great... is locked. Jamie Collins is locked up until 2023. Yeah. So there are a lot of big contracts on this team that uh, with mediocre players. And maybe, you know, maybe these players aren't mediocre players. Maybe these players are actually a little bit better than they look under this coaching staff. That's a, a, a definitely an entire a possibility. Mm-hmm. But what I see is a lot of mediocre talent that that's getting overpaid at this point. And, and that's something that the new GM, if, if it comes to that is going to have to deal with and is going to have to dig themselves out of a hole a little bit. And yeah, again, like it, it just like pulling back for a second, realize I'm talking about salary cap management in 2021 with a new GM in week four of the NFL season. Fuck. Want to start talking about the, <laughs> do you want, Jeremy, do you want to start talking about the draft? No, no, no. Well, let me get, let me ask you one more question then. Cause like, yeah, I wanted to talk about the bye week but like, at what point does anyone want to hear anything about the bye week Cause like, the whole point of the bye week is this is where you get healthy. This is where you get right. What's going to get healthy? What's going to get right for the Lions? I don't think anything's going to really appreciably change, to be honest. Like no. Stafford's going to enjoy having a week where he's not getting sacked. And that's really about it. Um, my big question is, Jeremy, after what's going on with the Titans this week, after the scare we had, in case you missed it, by the way, yeah. Saints player, former Lion, fullback Michael Burton, uh, had a positive COVID-19 test before they got the Saints got on a plane to fly to Detroit. It created kind of a, a five-alarm panic for all mm. of us because, yeah, you just got on a plane after t- before you learned that you test positive. Yeah. That's a petri dish. But it was a false negative. Yeah. And to be clear, the, they got the positive test result after they landed. The, the test yes. was taken before they landed. The result came in after they landed. Yes. And now a bunch of players went through the point of point of care uh, test. They went through the nasal swab. Everything came back negative. It was cool to play here. I'll, it just brings up questions, though. Uh, Cam Newton tested positive. He's out for the Patriots. And the situation in Tennessee with the Titans just keeps spiraling out of control. Every day there's someone new testing positive among both the players and the staff. And let me tell you something, man. Uh, from what I know about Tennessee right now, is what I know about Nashville, no, like, that's a hard place to control because nobody in public is wearing a damn mask down right now. That city is in full denial of anything going on in the world right now. And I, I mean, I, I heard people, they leaks talk about punishments for the Titans for any team that doesn't adhere to COVID protocol, which seems like a, that's a, I hate this word, but it's, that's a damn slippery slope to go down that you're going to punish teams for that kind of thing. I understand like you're basically punishing them for PR at this point. But at the same time, like I saw the coaches, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk was talking about this. The coaches talking about putting the kibosh for a little bit on the season, trying to get everyone into like nine hotels for a 12 game schedule to end this, uh, you know, to try to play out the rest of the season. Uh, Too late. Yeah, I don't think I look, man, I, the, the NFL just has to just has to thunder through like like the like baseball did. And it worked out yeah. for baseball. Baseball's made it to the playoffs. It was weird. It was weird, and the Cardinals had to play a bunch of games. I don't think you're going to be able to make up those games like, say, like the, Card- like the St. Louis Cardinals did. Uh, I think they, they've rescheduled the, Pat- the Patriots game for Monday, which is good because I remember one of those two teams, if it had gone to Tuesday or whatever, they would have had to play like one of those two teams, I forget which, would have had to play like three Jeez. games in nine days or something yeah. like that. I mean, now it's three and 10, so it's not much three and better. 10. That's not much better at all. No, because they've got to turn around 
and do, yeah, there's a Thursday night game in there. They might have to flex that Thursday somewhere or something, or I, I don't know, but like the NFL didn't build in a lot of fail safes or even time for makeup games yeah. in this season. And it's, uh, it's brutal. Yeah. So they're, they're, I, they're I, playing with fire yeah. right now. There's no question. And yeah. I think this week was a, a, a stark reminder that this all, this whole thing is hanging by a thread and it, and it was from the get go and not to say it was wrong <laughs> for them to try a football season and, and maybe, they, they did make some mistakes along the way, but it's just a reminder that all it takes is, you know, one superstar and suddenly we're all scrambling, wondering whether we're going to finish this thing. And I think you're right. The the league is going to put their head down and, and just bull rush through it. What, no matter what happens, if, if it means a team DQs their season, I think they do it. If it means, you know, let's say the Titan situation doesn't get better and it continues to get worse. I think they're, they're totally fine with, yeah, Titans only play ten. Games. Like Titans only play ten games this year or something. Right. Whoever just you, whoever they, was scheduled to play them, you just only play fifteen, and they just have to go off those records from there. Yeah. They would much sooner do that than cancel a season, I think. And yeah. I mean, I I don't want to predict what will happen because who knows. Um. But, but yeah, today was just kind of, or this week was just kind of a reminder. Like this is all yeah. built on a house of cards, and it can come Across down in any moment. Board. Probably, um, like we we've put the cart before the horse in this country as far as like. Look, man, I get it. You're you're watching teams across uh, across the world in soccer leagues resuming play. We were watching Korean baseball, Japanese baseball. They've all figured it out. But guess what? They've handled this virus a lot better than this damn country has. And we just this country does not like being people in this country just don't like being inconvenienced. And we saw that with the Big Ten scenario where people where people were told hey, we might not be able to play college football. And they rose a damn ruckus over all of it. And the, and the refrain always was, you have to at least try. I don't like, I get the logic of at least trying. I get the science isn't secure. But man, for me, I'm, I'm maybe, I, I'm a idealist on this. I don't like, if any one life is lost at any point, and attempting this, it's a massive colossal failure on everyone's part. I don't know if it will be, and death isn't the only thing that can happen with COVID-19. You can have your life and your breathing completely changed. We still don't understand the long-term effects of this disease because it's a respiratory disease. I'm not going to be doom and gloom about this, but man, we just we 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 just wanted all to thunder through it. It's that damn American, like just put your head down and work kind of mentality. And it's snapping back at us pretty hard right now. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it clears up. I, I, I might be just waxing poetic about nothing. Who knows, man? But, you know, as you said, Jeremy, on multiple fronts this week was a stark reminder that, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No question. <clears throat> we'll just leave it there. Uh, okay. Well, uh, score predictions against the Lions versus the bye week. You have any? I think we're still going to get 40 hung up on us. Defense can't stop bye week. Yep. Can't stop a wet fart. So, yeah. And the bye week is a wet fart. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? Legit question. Is there any week four? Is there any week five games you want to actually watch while you don't have to deal with the Lions? No, I think I, I think I've had enough football for a month now. I think I'm ready to take, take a, a week break. off. Like, I mean, here, I, I guess Whoever the Bills are playing, I, I'm curious in checking out they're this Bills team Titans. that everyone... Oh, so they're not going to play next week. Got it. 
But you want to check out the Bills, though. Yeah, everyone's everyone's hyping the Bills up a little bit. Uh, everyone's hot, hyping up Josh Allen. I don't get to see the Bills ever play, so I'm curious if to, if they're for real. Um, what else is on the the Week Five slate? Bengals Ravens. I mean, Joe Burrow's starting to look better and better. I don't think they beat the Ravens, but that's a AFC North divi- divisional rivalry right there. Maybe check in with the Rams. Like the Rams are three and one now, and I think a lot of us kind of slept on them after. You know, Sean McVay kind of was more turned out to be more average, but maybe maybe they're good again. That's, that's going to be a great games, division. The NFC late, West is fun. Yeah, late game slate because I sleep it. I'll probably use this time to sleep in after my uh, you know overnights. Colts Browns probably oddly interesting on mine. I'm not I, I believe. Just, I'm sorry. I don't believe in the Browns. I don't. Care. I don't believe I don't in care. either of these teams, which is why I want to see which one looks more fugazi at the end. And then that <laughs> Sunday night matchup is going to be Vikings Seahawks. Nah, <laughs> not really great. Saints. So not a great slate of games. So maybe yeah, maybe this am is a I good week, most, Lions fans, to just go to the cider mill. Am I am I the most interested in Bears Bucks on a Thursday night? No, 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 no. Sorry, no. Raiders Chiefs. Maybe. I mean, maybe the Raiders give them a shot. I don't know. No. Yeah, I don't know. Go to I cider mill, everybody. Enjoy the not snow outside. Enjoy not Lions football. Enjoy, but make not. sure to listen to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're gonna have, so we got to start paying off some of our charity stuff. So we're gonna have charity guests maybe with us next week, Jeremy. I think we're working we'll out that. Uh, we got some other surprises planned for you on bye week. We're gonna probably get a mailbag out there, take yeah. your questions throughout there, and try to find some that aren't completely doomer, and uh, make get just just for variety, just variety. Not that we don't want to take doomer questions, but we. We need some. We can't just answer. Should the Lions fire Matt Patricia fifty times over? Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see Eric Bieniemy's name, Bieniemy's name, in fifty different questions. Yeah, yeah. We need like we we need some variety. So we're at we're telling you right now. Hashtag Ask Pod on Twitter. Get us some variety. Get us some weird questions out there too. We'll we'll answer anything, anything, uh, except for incriminating questions about. Uh, about texts and stuff like that. But, but anyway, uh, I think that's all for us. So Jeremy, your catchphrase, please. It's chaos. Be kind. Twitch.tv slash pride to Detroit, YouTube search for pride to Detroit, iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, stitcher, Spotify, download us. Maybe give us a great rating on there. I know some people like to bomb me cause they just don't like me. I don't care. Uh, Give us, give us five stars. I don't care. Do it. Do it. Do it. And for me, to you, see you star side. <laughs>